Thomas Ross Parry. How are you doing? Well, Matt doesn't know how to do an intro. He just starts off by saying Thomas Ross Parry. Pretty much. It's it's one of those things where I stall for time in the hopes that I'll come up with something really creative and interesting uh, by it, the time I get to it. If I had a longer name, it would be even better for you, wouldn't it? It would. Could you change it to have, like, as your surname, please? Oh, there you go. He's pulled out that Welsh card, hasn't he? That you can I say have. that. <laughs> so it goes. It's Tom and Matt Attack. Yeah, whenever in doubt, whenever trapped in a corner, surrounded by wild animals, or, you know, going down a river that's running rapidly and approaching a waterfall, all I need to do is crack out the name of the longest place name in the world, and I'm magically saved. Generally speaking, it's my Swiss army knife of language. It's it good. is, and then people, whoa, they reel back and think, oh, what a, what a clever man. Exactly, like that that time I was in a nest of cobras, I said it, and they just all looked confused at each other, and they're just like, is he speaking snake? What's going on? They started clapping, even though they haven't got any hands. Well, I mean, you know, it's a joint effort for snakes to clap, and that's why it's extra special. They need to clap with each other. Mm. Not in a dirty way. Pull your mind out of the gutter, Tom. How are you doing? Oh, God, images of snakes clapping together now. (laughs) Um, Yes, not so bad. Cheers, Matt. I have played some games this week. I've also picked up a few in that Switch sale, which I think is still ongoing. And uh, one of them, I think, was released in 2020. So I may be able to say that uh, that's a good 2020 release. Well, I was just Uh, trying to... Could be wrong. I haven't even checked. Um, I... I have I have played one game that I've talked about a nauseam on this podcast, but I have a little bit more to say about it. Yeah. Uh, answers on a postcard what that is, if it is in Yakuza. And I, I've also picked up some Switch games in somewhat of a sale here in Denmark. Dare I say it, Thomas, they may actually be a Danish deal of the week. Oh, wow. It's been a while since I've heard one of them. But, uh, yeah, I know what they are. But uh, You do. I'll be able to hear a little bit more about that. Um the game I was uh, talking about then with a short hike, have you played it? No, I heard very good things about it when it came out, though. Mm, so, yeah. yes, it did come out in 2020. You are correct. Ah, great. So, the first thing that struck me about Short Hike is it looks like a, a DS game. Yes. Um, it's got something about it which, when scaled up to like a, a, a larger TV, Looks like it shouldn't. Looks like it's been scaled up. It's very odd, but you soon get past that because uh, it's a very engrossing, enjoyable, slow-paced game that I wasn't sure if I'd like because of the nature of it. You know, there's a little bit of talking to characters and such, uh, but the control of the game's very, very nice. Uh, I like the gliding. You play as a little uh, bird who is uh, on this island, wants some, uh, <laughs> wants some reception for his phone or something. Um, right. and then uh, heads up to try and get to the top of the mountain to get his reception. And along the way, he meets loads of uh, other little characters who want to help him out and such. But uh, one of the big uh, hurdles in your way 
is that to climb some of the mountains you need gold feathers so then it becomes your mission to get gold feathers however you can that allow yes. you to to climb longer okay that's basically a short hike but it's very charming and the music's very much like joe hisashi you know the ghibli composer yes in fact it reminded me very much of a, a theme from a Kitano film that joe hisashi right. scored and i think it was the kikujiro theme for those familiar with uh, the work of Japanese film director Takeshi Kitano. Um, so, yeah, the soundtrack's good, but familiar, at least. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd urge you to check it out. I don't know how long it is. You know me. I didn't complete um, Sayonara Wild Hearts in one sitting, so uh, no. <laughs> neither have I completed this in one sitting. I'm very surprised you haven't because I just looked on how long to beat com to see how long this game was and it says hour and a half. Yeah, I played it for about an hour. But you can mess around in it a bit, you know. I was trying to get this beach ball onto the beach for ages. Yeah. It's viewed from an isometric perspective, perspective for those wondering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a third person uh, action adventure or a first person. It's definitely isometric and it looks very much, I say, like a. a DS game. Yeah. No, I I know what you mean about that DS thing. It's kind of like fuzzy in that yeah. way that DS games sometimes are. Yeah, it's sort of like using like the limited hardware capabilities of the DS to the max. There's not a yeah. lot in the background, you know, outside of the island. You know, you look out mm-hmm. and, you know, everything's very simplistic. Yeah. And everything's yeah, got it's slightly not rough edges. The switch. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I mean, it must be an aesthetic choice, right? Much in yeah, the way yeah. that people made uh, Risk of Rain 2 to look like an early PS1 game. Like, there must mm. be a choice there, deliberately. I think that works in a strange sort of way, because it takes you back to a different time. Yeah. The time of that weird 3D that's not very good on the DS, but it's charming at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of love for the Nintendo DS. I think that system has some very good games on it. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of games on the DS to choose from. Uh, but yeah, Short Hike wasn't one of them. We've had to wait till the uh, Switch for that. I don't know if it's on any other platforms. I haven't done that I know research. it's on Steam, at least. Um, okay. I, I'm not sure if it's on any other home consoles, though. It's got some humour in the dialogue as well. Uh, talking to little animals is... I was concerned it was a little too close to Animal Crossing for my liking, but right. uh, it, it's okay. It's okay. Not Does it crossing. feel like a third-person Proteus, is my question. Or oh, is gosh. There, I guess there's more going on because there's dialogue and stuff, right? It isn't just about the hike. It's more about the people you meet, I guess, on the way. The characters you meet, for example, uh, one's lost their lucky headband. They're having a little jog and there's a race coming up. And then you meet the person that they're racing against, and he has a red headband. And... Yeah. Um, you ask if where he got it from. He says, oh, it's my headband. I've had it for ages. Oh, and says, oh, well, I'm looking for this headband for your competitor. It's, this guy's going to be racing you. And he goes, oh, right. Okay, cool. Well, what's wrong? You know, well, they don't want to race without the headband. And it's like, oh, but I was really looking forward to that race. So he's like, yeah. well, you have my headband. They look the same. They'll never know. And so you yeah. give the headband to the other one. Like Straight away, they recognize it as, that's not my headband. It hasn't got the right sweat patches on it. Right, but but then you say he got it off, and it's like, oh wow, he's like amazing. I'll be super lucky if I wear this headband. Yeah. So yeah. that's a little Animal Crossing to me, isn't it? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, but I, I also just think that's wholesome, Tom. I just don't think it's you are wholesome. used to digesting some wholesome family entertainment <laughs> that makes you feel good. Oh, um, well, I liked it, yeah. Maybe I need more of that in my life. Maybe. But I'd recommend it. It's on sale. I think it's still on sale on the How Switch. How much was it? Oh, Fiverr. I can I can I can splash a fiver for something like but that. But then you're used to not paying a lot for your Switch titles, Matthew. That's true, Tom Parry. Because Tell me for five this. pounds, I got some Danish bargains. <laughs> uh, no, I I went to um, supermarket Friday evening, I think, um, As you just do. because we needed to get some shopping in for the weekend, as one does, and. I I had been selected to go in because right here, right now, they're asking only one person to go in the supermarket, so I went in. And lo and behold, Tom Parry, I actually went to the, the, the media section uh, to see if they had a Tenet uh, for cheap because I quite enjoyed Christopher Nolan's latest film, even though a lot of people I've seen complaining about it. I thought it was pretty good. I went there to see if the Blu-ray was there, and it was, and I'd missed that one week window that as you know very well tom uh dvds and blu-rays and stuff tend to be cheap the first week they come out in denmark to, like, i think that's really weird isn't it i guess yeah. it increases people buying them the chances of people buying them yeah but at it the does because to, be, like... to be fair i'll now wait for it to go on discount because <laughs> it was cheap the first week and i'm like oh well i missed that window and then i'll just wait for them to lower it to 49 kroner it's kind of like, like what you do. experience with uh cyberpunk isn't it yeah it is it's really strange like uh, i i understand it to some respect right like they must be when i used to work in a supermarket way back when i remember there was an absolute bumper christmas of the simpsons movie coming out transformers the first michael bay movie coming out and something else, it might have been like Bridget Jones 2, or there was another big thing that came out, and they all came out like the week before Christmas. And the supermarket I worked in had those on offer for £5, which I was like, oh, like these, these DVDs have just come out, why are they £5? Oh, I'm snapping up Bridget Jones right um, away. Exactly, the edge of reason, get in my basket. Um, no, it was, it, by the I talked to the media person, because, you know, games came in and they were always more expensive on the first week than usually other shops and whatever. And she said, oh, they they call it a loss leader. She said, we usually do it with like wines and spirits and stuff. And essentially it's like you will make one or two things that you know people really want for Christmas or whatever a really good bargain because you know you'll make it up in the sales of everything yeah. else around it. So, you know, if you come in for that copy of Bridget Jones, Tom... You'd be like, great, got oh, yeah. my copy of Bridget Jones for my mum. Excellent. Or while I'm here, I'll just pick up some Pringles and maybe a, a thing of Jack Daniels and maybe some cheesy nibbles. That's it. And then because that's how they get you. When you go to supermarket, you rarely just walk out with one thing, don't you? There's always no, something else you need. Also, why they keep changing the layout of the supermarket around. Mm. Because they you form habits and you get in patterns and you know in your heart of hearts you don't need to go down aisle five because aisle five is just women's sanitary products. And so you're like, okay, I, d I can avoid this aisle because there's nothing there for me. And then maybe one day you'll go in and you're like, I'm going to get my tub of Pringles 
and then your Pringles are suddenly replaced by those sanitary products. And you're like, oh, no, I need to go somewhere else now. But maybe while you were down that aisle, you would see something and that you did actually want. And that's the idea. Mm. The intention is it breaks your mental habit. And while you everyone gets frustrated for a minute or two, because you're like, oh, for God's sake, I don't know where the Pringles are. You then have to like work through getting another yeah. habit. And by the time that sets in, they'll change it around again. It's all psychological stuff to make you buy more stuff. And you're listening to Supermarket Secrets with uh, Matthew Boyle. <laughs> Supermarket <laughs> Secrets is a brilliant name for a podcast. We should do that. You've never worked in a supermarket. So it should be like his- Secrets of Retail or something like that. And you could talk about well, I worked polished retail, discs yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yes. The secret of, of retail is if you work in a video game, game store where you, where people trade in their games uh, if you're a pokemon fan you spend your lunch breaks copying pokemon from the traded in games to your own cartridge and that's why you never got a shiny charizard in the greater crew area <laughs> no i only took what i needed no. i was uh, you know considerate oh, how generous that. and i think i've said this on the podcast before yeah you have if you, you haven't heard about that before the then uh, but chances are, Tom, we could have new listeners. Because surprise, surprise, I finally got around to putting us on Spotify. So like all 240-odd episodes of Tom and Matt attacking out there. If you are a new listener, welcome aboard. I'm going to go back to the story now because that was a complete tangent. But yeah, when I went in the supermarket, I went there, saw Tenet was expensive. I was like, oh, well, I'll wait for that to drop in price. Walked down the aisle because as I had mentioned to you on last week's podcast, Dead or Alive 6 was 50 kroner. I was like, oh, maybe I'll pick up Dead or Alive. And when I went there to get Dead or Alive, a plethora of bargains instead, Tom. There were lots of Switch games, lots of PS4 games, and a lot of Xbox One games were down to 50 kroner and wow. some relatively okay. new titles. Switch. Switch? Yeah. Yeah. Switch games. Remember that I copy can... of Pikmin 3 that was 50 kroner back in the day? Yes, I do. I remember, you, I remember you checking it out the day after it came out because they'd mispriced it. And yeah. I ran back immediately when the guy was calling <laughs> the guy to take the, the signage off so I could have it. And he looked very disgruntled. Then we traded him in GameStop because I'd already bought one. Um, yeah, so I, I went there and yeah, there were, there were lots of Switch games. There were lots of PS4 games. And I... Originally, I had gone, oh my god, a copy of Yakuza 6, a game I own, but not in that format. Because if you remember, I bought the one with the the fancy glasses. Mm. Oh, yes. I bought the, like a limited edition of Yakuza one. 6. Yeah, the expensive one. And that meant that I got Yakuza 6 in like a standard case and not the really nice slip case with like lots of art books and all of this other stuff. Well, I don't have included. that either. I just have the standard case one. Really interesting. Yeah, that's the one they were selling at Argos when I bought it. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess that was actually a limited edition then, because usually when I see these things, it's like, launch edition, that's the only one they do. So I guess that's probably Hmm. a sign that Yakuza 6 did all right, which is nice. Hmm. Um, I picked up this copy of Yakuza, having seen some pre-owned recently on like Facebook market books and stuff for more expensive than this, and going, maybe I should pick this up. Like, I don't really need it, but it will look nicer on the the Yakuza shrine. shrine. Um, and so I, I got it, and then I looked up, and I was like, oh, great, Streets of Rage 4 for the PS4, 50 kroner. That's an absolute bargain. Wasn't it so 75 put... kroner? 
wait for it, Tom. I put the PS4 copy in my cart and then I wheeled along and then I saw there were also Switch games on discount. And I was like, I'm going to have Switch 4 on the, on the Switch. Thank you very much, PlayStation. Well, it's very good on the Switch, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any difference, so... I I would imagine it runs fine on both consoles. I don't yep. think it's particularly taxing. No. Um, but I'm I'm very glad in hindsight that I did pick it up on the Switch because you immediately made me aware that there was online multiplayer, and I was like, oh, there great, is. something that we need I to can, try out. I can do that is an Animal Crossing on with my Switch online, and maybe occasionally downloading some Super Nintendo games I never play. Um, so yeah, I I got Street of Rage four, and I said, like, "Oh, yes, is I'm definitely gonna grab a copy of this. Got a free art booklet and a keychain." And I was like, "Right, what else is in this pile of Switch stuff?" Uh, there was Bioshock Collection, which I own on multiple consoles at this point. Those games, I was like, "I'm not really in an urge to play Bioshock again anytime soon," so I left that. There was like a Narcos game. There was some war game. There were like bits. That I was like, oh, okay, I can see why these are on discount. Who's going to want these? Switch to Rage was a bit of a surprise. But I mean, maybe a bit niche for a Danish supermarket. And then I lifted up the Streets to Rage copies just to check if there wasn't anything under those. And uh, there were a couple of copies of Shovel Knight uh, Treasure Trove, which is all of the... The Shovel Knight expansion and Shovel Knight showdown and all of this stuff they did in a nice physical copy, which is great because mine's on the yeah. Wii U. I think um, I have that digital on Switch, yeah. I mean, yeah. to be fair, I think Yacht Club have been very good in giving people all of the DLC and stuff for free, from my understanding. I think maybe one of the games was actually like a separate game and you had to pay for but generally speaking, I think they've been very good. But yeah, it was, it was 50 kroner. I was like, I'm not yeah. going to leave it there. I actually really liked Shovel Knight and I never completed it because I ended up moving here and putting my Wii U away. So maybe I'll get back into that. And then perhaps a surprise pick, Tom Parry, one you I don't think you would have expected me to pick up was actually Burnout Paradise Remastered. I thought about this after the fact. He showed me that and I thought, oh, great bargains. And then I think, hang on, Matt bought Burnout. He doesn't usually play driving games. That's a well, surprise. Well, see, the thing is... I have very fond memories of watching you play this game oh. and having a big open world and like a nice soundtrack and all of this stuff. And oh, Gareth yes. Playing it. I did play it in Denmark because I used to play it yeah. with Gareth online sometimes. And uh, we had um, the cameras. So when yeah. you crash into each other, it takes you a photo on the Xbox yeah, camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I quite like the Burnout games, even though I'm not a big fan of racing games in general like i do like the the crash mode stuff and so i was like oh okay like i like that like smack and the everything pans and well, it looks really dramatic one driving game <laughs> yeah exactly then it's to probably going to be burnout isn't it mm. so i don't know i it's still in the seal at the moment because i'm like oh should i should i just like flip this because oh I'm you want to go down to paradise city I do, and down. I want to listen to Guns N' Roses. Exactly. <laughs> I, so, yeah, I, I got these, and I was like, oh, that's great. And there were some other stuff there like that was very well-priced, like Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, was 100 kroner, which if I didn't have that, obviously that would have been snapped. Well, I mean, you, well, know, I you know, I would have picked up 100 kroner, and that's saying I mean, something. I to be like fair, RPGs Tom Parry, if it's still there and you want me to go have a look, I will. Because I, I think you would probably enjoy Final Fantasy VII Remake probably more than you know, because it okay. is more an action game than an RPG. Yeah. Well, if you happen to see it, I'd be interested. If not, don't worry. I'll have a look. If it's there, I will. But to be honest with you, 
I don't imagine it's going to stay there at that price. No, I mean, it's Final Fantasy VII, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you were on the fence about it and you saw it for 100 kroner, you'd be like, yes, please. Yeah. So good a price, Tom. I almost considered buying it twice because I was like, hmm, I'm sure I can give this to someone. But yeah, had I known you were in the market for a copy, I would have grabbed it for you. Well, you know what I'm like. I like to try these things. I did play the demo of it. And, you know, I was really taken with the visuals and the music. Yeah. And I was getting the hang of the battle system. Yeah, it it goes. It gets a bit harder as you go in because you need to start thinking of like weaknesses and resistances and all this other stuff you think of in RPGs. But like overall, I I really like that game. Yeah. I realised though in editing last week's podcast, it did not make my top five list, and I was just like, why didn't Final Fantasy VII make my top five well, list? I had a similar thing after we discussed these games of twenty twenty. Yeah. Streets of Rage 4, I completed that in 2020 as well, and I would go as far as saying that is maybe my favourite game that was released, that I played last year, that was released in that year. Yeah. I finished it, yeah. I played it through co-op, couch co-op, when uh, you could have people around for that brief yep. period in the UK, <laughs> where everyone's like, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> Don't worry yeah, that two-week period of like, oh, it doesn't affect young people. <laughs> go live your lives. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's a great game, and you're definitely one of the best of the year. Yeah, I, I mean, what did I say? I said, Animal Crossing, Hades, Yakuza Seven, Aegis Rim, Thirteen Sentinels. I can't remember what the fifth was, which is making me think maybe actually my fifth is Final Hades. Fantasy Seven. No, I said Hades. Oh, Hades did he? Is Sorry, definitely my game that. of the year. Like I, that is, an indisputable fact Genshin Impact point. wasn't it wasn't Genshin Impact I liked Genshin Impact I might have mentioned Genshin Impact last week but yeah Final Fantasy 7 is definitely better than Genshin Impact I I see the thing is with Final Fantasy 7 why I probably forgot it is in spite of I'm not going to get into spoilers in spite of them doing some stuff with Final Fantasy 7 that was unexpected and surprising I also really, I know those characters and I like those characters and it's the same thing for me with Persona 5 that like, it's like putting on a, an old court, you know what I mean? Mm. You you have a lot of fond memories of that court, even if it's a bit rugged, but you're like, oh, this is comfortable, this is nice. And it wasn't really anything new that I think those other games were. And I, I mean, Animal Crossing would not have been on there had there not been a global pandemic, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think... For my wife, definitely, she played a lot of that game. But had we not been in a house and had it not been a big social thing in a year where there wasn't a lot of social stuff, I think I would have probably bounced off it pretty quickly. Yeah. I played with quite a bit of Sims last year, but I haven't played it so much yet. I might eventually get back into it again. But uh... Yeah. Still, Different the times we live Crossing in, and what's going on around us do affect the kind of games we end up playing. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I'm just like, a short hike is like, hmm, good wholesome experience. I, I could do with some of that. That's all right. And they tell you in the title it's short. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a short hike. So yeah, makes sense. I, I picked up another game which I think is quite short, which I seem to remember you played on your phone, although I could be mistaken. Did you ever play Florence? Yeah. Was that a phone I, thing? 
can't remember. I think, actually, the person who would have recommended you Florence, from my memory, would have been our good friend Toby Brown. Um yeah. Let me just Google Florence. It was, it was uh, I think I saw it on uh, John Riggs. Uh, he often does these videos oh, about Switch titles. Oh, no, I did play this on a phone. Yes, no, this is totally me. I really like this game. Um about uh, a, a breakup and like the, the subsequent things of that and a relationship and how that's structured and it's all like a, done through like text and small motions hmm. and stuff. Yeah, no, Florence is a good game. Graphic novel with interactive portions, like, yes. like mini games. Yes. Yeah, type thing. And like small, simple, kind of like almost like flash games. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I haven't played it yet on the Switch, but I did pick that up because it was very cheap. It's probably very short as well. So it is. I be- I beat it in a bathroom break, I think. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah. it was it was um, you know appropriately priced for its length as well. Yeah, that's good. I like I liked Florence. I'd completely forgotten about that game, but yeah, it's good. Uh, other things I picked up were Wolverblade, which was very cheap. I think one pound fifty. That's a size grown and beat him up. Okay. Viking style. We featured it on Blast Process in the past. Uh, I think we met, well, I didn't, but uh, some of the guys met the developers there, and I think uh, Mike got a poster signed by them. But it is yeah. a fairly well received uh, beat em up for, the, well, I think it's on numerous platforms, but yeah, I got that on the Switch. Yeah. Also, of course, Fatal Fury 3. I was like, oh, have I got a Fatal Fury game on the Switch? I don't think so. Let's get Fatal Fury 3. That was on sale. And yeah. uh, Super Arcade Racing, which is the most generically titled game ever. But this was a game I actually played at EGX uh, back in 2019. I uh, didn't get to speak to the developer. Uh, however, I did enjoy playing it. It starts off if you, when you go into the story mode. It's a top-down racer. You know how much I like yeah. top-down racers. Yes, uh, I do. In a, in a very much um, Amiga style. So the graphics remind me a lot of the Amiga games. Uh, nice soundtrack. It's got sort of a story thing going on where your brother gets kidnapped or something like that. Then you chase after this guy in the car. And to rescue him, you then have to compete in this uh, racing tournament. Right. Uh, it handles really well. It's, it's very fun. You upgrade your car as you go along. It's pretty standard stuff. But it's well done, and I think it was five pounds. And it's my kind of game, so I picked that up yeah. as well. That's good. Oh, what what don't do? Even if you're a fan of fighting games, by the way, don't pick up this next game. Fight animals. Right? Is that like uh, brutal pause of fury? <laughs> I guess that's the closest thing I could compare it to. But I don't know. I didn't have a good first impression of that. I thought, oh, it's a fighting game. It looks funny. I'll get it. It was so hard. You know, I couldn't beat the first dude in it. Dude. Right. First dog, I think it was. Um, yeah. I'm not, not so keen. It was relatively cheap, but it was more expensive than, say, Wolverblade or a, a short... Maybe it was the same price as a short hike. Certainly not as good as that, though. That's a shame. But maybe, maybe I'm just missing something. Maybe it'll grow on me, but first impressions weren't fantastic. Well, that's a shame, but I mean... You know that that's kind of the luck of the draw. Sometimes it's a miss, like, isn't it? Sometimes, isn't it? yeah, especially on on Switch, where I don't know if you get ratings in the same way you do on the PlayStation or Xbox Store. 
Not to my knowledge, but to be fair, like the ratings are generally quite off for me anyway. Well, yeah, no, it depends what you're into. Yeah. Did you um, (laughs) pick up that blinking Mega Drive game that was like on Kickstarter? That blinking Mega Drive. I can't. I honestly like. I've been trying. Oh, I know the one. It begins with a P, and it's a beat 'em up. Yes, that one. The one that looks or something. I can't. Yes. God, I no, wish I, I could find it. I mean, Me typing I heard new about... side-scrolling Mega Drive game into Google comes up with nothing. Yeah, I heard about this a while back. I think it was featured on one of those uh, GameSack episodes where uh, they were talking about Kickstarter product projects which uh, hadn't seen release yet and left people hanging for a while. And that, of course, is notorious for being a game that's been in development for a very long time. I think a lot of people had written it off, like they were never going to get it. And it just suddenly appeared out of the blue. And I've watched videos on it that have come out recently, and it looks really impressive. And But I'm not willing to pay what they're asking for it now. Okay. I think it's $130 for the game. You know, it's got bespoke packaging and all this, and it's produced to a very high quality apart from the fact that there's something loose in the cartridges which covers up the uh, the, the the circuit board yeah which doesn't need to be there really <laughs> and it becomes loose and you, you just take it out so that's a weird thing weird but the game looks really impressive and uh, it's the kind of game that i like so um if it ever gets released for say the switch playstation xbox whatever then i might just pick it up then but I'm not going to spend it. It doesn't sound like it will, though. Like, from what I saw, that they were very adamant that it wouldn't. Um, but yeah, and see. I don't think they will. I think that the uh, creator uh, is, is stubborn enough not to let that happen. In fact, uh, in the GameStack video, it reveals it won't play on the analog Mega SG. Really? Yeah, it, it's, it's got something locking it out of the, the that console. Although it will work on the Hyperkin... Uh, re- Meg- what's it called? Mega Retron. Yeah, HD? why though? Yeah, why? I I I just think that's the mentality of uh, of the of the studio that's produced it. Okay, that's weird. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd kind of I'd see. I remember seeing visuals of it, and I was wondering if it was going to be a Holy Knight. If you remember that Japanese beat 'em up style oh. situation where it looks gorgeous but it doesn't run properly. Uh, it runs well from what I can, what I've okay. heard anyway. Yeah. Interesting. Ah, uh, well, yeah. It would be nice to play that one day. Who knows what will happen eventually with these things. I just Someone find it might... funny that it will play on the Hyperkin console but won't play on the high-end uh, analog console. Yeah, weird. Yeah. I'm sure someone will figure that out. I'm sure they'll figure out a way around letting that run if they really want to, but who knows. Yeah, I think it's because of the developer's insistence that it should be played on original hardware. Oh, God, get over yourself. Who cares? We've had this conversation until we're blue in the face about like <laughs> CRTs and Triton monitors and all this. I'm not going to get into it. Like, I do that on the YouTube channel because I want to get the most accurate show of what this would have looked like on original hardware like play it on emulator play it on whatever you've got to hand do bloody cares use flash cartridges do whatever you need to to experience these things yeah not not so um particular about that here at tom and matt attack towers oh shack sorry i've just upgraded us to towers wow (laughs) 
is it TMA is it cast you... towers? Interesting. It, how did we get this? Is this like 2021? Are we just moving on up now? Now we're on Spotify. We're going to get all that ad money or whatever. This is it. Spotify. We don't have ads on Spotify though, do we? We have ads nowhere top. <laughs> no, we do this because we enjoy it. So exactly. This is free publicity. Maybe I should take take back your praise about Streets of Rage until they pay us. Rah. Um, yeah, so other than those games I picked up, the only thing I've actually played this week is, surprise, surprise, Ghost of Tsushima. And as I mentioned to you off of the podcast, I actually got the Platinum Trophy this morning after beating the game last night in the early hours. Uh, what round of applause there? A Platinum Trophy in a game that big must be quite an achievement. It took somewhere in the region of about 50-something hours. I can't remember if it was 58 or 59, but it was, it was pretty close to the 60 mark. Matt, were there any like really annoying trophies that just weren't very fun to get? Mm, no, surprisingly not. Like there was, there was one, the two last ones I got were, actually the three last ones I got were, you need to do every fox shrine, which as I mentioned, you get these little foxes and they run up to shrines. Every haiku, every essentially like do all the little extra bits in the game, and one of them was go to all the onsens, and in the first town you visit in that game, there is someone you can talk to that explains to you how onsens work. Is this a bathhouse? Uh, an onsen is a naturally occurring hot spring in Japan. Ah, okay. But yes, traditionally in our days, an onsen would be like a wooden bathhouse and you would go there. But it's like naturally volcan- mm. volcanic heated water. It's like a thermal bath in Hungary, for example. Like these these faults happen all over the world where this okay. naturally occurs and people use them. But I had not talked to this woman because she's kind of out of the way. And I had already been to two onsens at that point because I'd found them on the map. And so I'd never talked to this woman. So I had no way of finding out where it was until I had to Google it. Because once you finally get rid of all the Mongols that have invaded the, the map and you've liberated all the camps and stuff, you the map like clears. So pro tip for those of you who are at the end of the game and just want to mop up the stuff just beat the mongol camps because i was running around the coastline looking for little question marks to pop up and then i realized i didn't need to do that so that saved me a couple of hours i reckon i i did this onsen thing purely because i had to google it there is a thing in the game called divine wind which you can use to find stuff that you haven't found but it's not like it's a pin on the map it just gives you a vague indication of where the direction is and as the map is huge mm. that's not really the most helpful way of mopping up stuff like i i didn't get there are some crickets in graveyards that give you different songs to play on your flute that do nothing other than hey this is a different tune or records or mongol artifacts that you can't even view it's not like a collection thing it's just a number that goes up mm. and so I didn't bother with that stuff because the only way you can do it is either look at a really detailed map and figure out yourself which ones of these you've got or you can just put the divine wind on and search for it. (laughs) So because of that, because it doesn't give you a pin on the map, when I'd cleared all the Mongol things, I had lots of question marks. And so I went to every question mark. 
because that was like the Inari shrines, the bamboo challenges, all this stuff that I had to do to get this achievement. And then I was finally at the point where I was like, right, there's one hot spring left. But because it wasn't a question mark on a map and part of a town that the developer had kind of expected you to find naturally as you progressed through the story, it wasn't there. And so there was like a divine wind pointing towards this town. But I was like, is it in the town? Is it outside the town? Have I got to go mm. on the cliffs? Have I got to go? And so I, I spent a bit of time and then eventually I was just like, okay, I'm just going to bloody Google this. Like, <laughs> I can't find this. Where is this? Well, I, And then, yeah. I know that feeling. NPC. So that one was a bit annoying. Uh, the other two that I didn't have uh, were, there was one with secret shrines where there are shrines in the whole thing. You see them, they've got Tory gates and you have to use your swing and whatever to get up there. But there are secret ones where you just have to, like, there's a little uh, wooden post of the bow emote in the game, and so you have to walk up to them and bow. That one I had to Google because some of them are just, like, in weird places I would never have thought of, like, on the end of a pier. Hmm. Um, the last trophy I actually got was one for killing an enemy with fall damage because I had mainly gone through the game using two stances uh the water stance and the stone stance because the water dance is really quick and the stone stance is really good for enemies with shields but if i had used the wind one you can hold triangle and kick and i didn't realize that because it was one of the last upgrades i unlocked and so pretty much i just had to like go along a path until i found some mongols near the cliff run up to the cliff get them to chase me and then hope they didn't hit me before I held down triangle and kicked them. And I just kept kicking this guy like four times until eventually he went over a cliff. But that popped my platinum. And then I got a really nice little notification on the screen that was just like, um, you are a true legend of Tsushima. Like you've seen more of this land than most who play this game. Congratulations. Da, 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 da. Which I was like, oh, I've never oh, actually seen something like that unusual. in the game. That's actually quite nice. Yeah. I got special armor dye as well that I didn't actually put on, but it was like in Italian colors, so like green, white, and red. And I was like, oh, that, yeah. I bet that looks cool. But I thought I, you I were being kissed by Sucker Punch. It was, yeah. It was like, <laughs> we were like shaking my hand and going, here's a little something for your trouble, which is nice. Um, so all in all, I, I think that game is pretty good. I don't think it is groundbreaking in anything other than its visuals. I think if you've played an old Assassin's Creed game, you'll kind of know what you're getting into. I don't think the story is really anything new. I think it's all about the visuals, man. It's all about understanding, like, Kurosawa and, like, how that stuff looks. And a lot of the praise I've seen out of Japanese developers who coined it as their game of the year is, like, yeah, they really understand, like, Kurosawa's sensibilities and stuff. And I'm like, yeah... The final moments of that game are absolutely gorgeous. These are the best-looking games I've ever played. But story's a bit underwhelming. Um, a lot of the later section of the game, especially when you come to the third island in inverted commas, which is like the extension of the second bit, is a lot of the stealth feels like it's on rails. Hmm. Like a lot of it is like sneak in here and like uh, deliver a note or sneak in here and disable the alarm system so you can open the gates and storm the castle and 
it very much felt like there was only one way I could do that. Right. That wasn't so bad, though, was it? No, not really, because I'm not that big on stealth. But like, yeah, so I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> it felt odd that like I had, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I'd been so used to playing this game however I wanted to. And that generally meant, like, I would just jump in a thing, throw a wind chime, get people to come over, stab them up, and then get on with my day. But I was having to, like, wait for guards on paths, and I was like, well, what if I what if I jump down here? Can I use those bushes to go through this area quicker? Uh, yeah. And then I would do that, and then I would get, like, a little prompt going, oh, you can use, uh, you can use the winches to climb along the ropes. And I was like oh, yeah, but I can't get back up to the roof now to do what it clearly wants me to do. Shit, mm. I need to get seen and die and then start over. Yeah, so, yeah. A bit frustrating. It felt a bit at odds with the spirit of the rest of the game. Absolutely, but... yeah, yeah. I can understand that. And I, I imagine as well, if you were playing this on a harder difficulty, I have toyed this morning. I was like, mm, maybe, maybe I should start a new game plus because that sounds all right. You keep all of your equipment and stuff and you can skip the cutscenes if you don't want to watch them again. So it's like, I could probably clear that in about 10 hours, I think, once you take all the cutscenes and stuff out. It wouldn't mm. be that long a game. But I was like, oh, I'm okay. I, I've seen all this game has to offer. I wasn't that. But the fact that you I'm even not... thought about it is testament to how much you enjoyed the, the gameplay. Yes, and that is yeah. the thing. Like, the gameplay is solid. Like, it, again, it is nothing revolutionary. It feels like a good Assassin's Creed game. I'm not like, oh my god, this is the best action game I've ever played. But it's good. It's really good. Like, it is. It's on a really high pedestal. I just don't think it does anything new and, like, oh my god, Tom, you need to play this because it's going to change combat in video games for the next 10 years. But still, you'd recommend it. I still think it's a great game. Honestly, I think it's on the PlayStation sale right now. I think if you see it cheap, I would say pick it up. I I don't think you, Tom Parry, are going to complete it because it's so bloody long. But I do think that you will get something out of it, even if it's just the visual sensibilities and like looking at how gorgeous the game is. Well, actually... It is quite appealing to me because the the combat again is isn't guns and such, and I have yeah. really been enjoying playing uh, Jedi Fallen Order. If you've enjoyed Fallen Order as much as I think you will have, I would say Ghost of Tsushima will be up your alley. Hmm. Yeah, I would, definitely. Because I, I imagine would just say the, the actual combat is quite in depth. Yeah, it is, hmm. and I would say to you, as knowing you as a gamer. I would say just mainline the story if you end up picking it up, because hmm. I don't. I I think you will get lost in the minutiae in the same way I did. Get a bit overwhelmed by it and go, no, I'm okay, and then bounce off it. But yeah, I, most I do slightly. think it it's an enjoyable game, and I think if you were to just do the story, it's probably about twenty hours, maybe tops. Hmm. And like you can use fast travel and stuff to extend that and make it shorter. I think as well. So. Oh, I love a bit of fast travel. You do. The thing I think I will be playing, though, over the coming weeks, and maybe I'll talk about on the podcast, because there's a bit to say about it, is uh, actually the Legends mode, uh, the the multiplayer for Ghost of Tsushima, which Sucker Punch dropped, like, a couple of months after the game came out with no immediate, like... It wasn't something I really think a lot of people knew about. I didn't know there was multiplayer coming for the game, and when it came out, it's quite surprising. I did the the tutorial this morning because... 
it isn't just like you take your gin into a, a big multiplayer environment. It There are four distinct classes that you can pick for this, and it does have a horde mode, as I think we were talking about last week, but I also think there are raids and like story missions you can do in like a, a two-player co-op setting that sounds quite cool. Oh, wow, yeah. And it really dials up the fantasy element of it. Like, the story starts with this legend storyteller saying, oh, when the Mongols came to Tsushima, they brought uh, Oni with them, which are like demons. And, you know, people say that there was one ghost, but there were many. And it's kind of it's kind of an interesting take that a lot of folklore obviously does, is that a true event happens. And then over the passage of time, as those things kind of crumble into memory and history becomes legends and all this mm. kind of stuff. It, it goes a bit Onimusha. Of... Yeah, perhaps. very much Onimusha. <laughs> like, all of the Mongols are, like, spirit, like, infected by spirits of mm. evil, and there are demons and stuff, and from what I played in the tutorial, essentially they kind of, they break Jin and what you've done in the game down into four separate areas in that well, three technically, and then the fourth one is kind of like a remind a, me what a jack of all trades. Jin refers to is that the name? Jin is the main character. Apologies, yeah. yeah Jin yeah. is the main character, not an alcoholic beverage. Um, <laughs> he obviously, like as you progress, like you start as a samurai, and then you kind of learn the ways of the thief and like a rogue and become an assassin and do all these other stuff. So. What they do is there's a one class called the Samurai, which is naturally all about the sword stuff, and you're able to do sword techniques and things. You have a Hunter, which is just the archery stuff, and you're able to do ranged things, and some of your special attacks then have, like, auto-headshots, so if you press L and R1, which does your special in that mode. With the swordsman, he just kind of, like, goes shink, 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 and, like, guts three people really quickly with the with the hunter it's like three headshots and just goes pew 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 uh then there's an assassin class which to me felt the more fun because it allows you to do sneaky assassinations which you can't do as a samurai hmm. but also to swing through the rope with your grappling hook which is to me one of the more fun aspects of ghost of tsushima and then your special move is that you can like kind of like stealth kill people without needing to sneak around you just assassinate people and it like shows you moving like smoke almost it's like swoosh 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 and then there's a ronin class which is kind of kind of a, a happy medium between all three classes i think though the sword play isn't as strong and the bow isn't as strong and like you can't assassinate people but you can revive people and heal people and so, like, there's that aspect of, like, okay, the, the samurai is clearly the tank. There's a ranged DPS, there's a stealth DPS, and then there's also a healer. So they, they, they've divided it in interesting ways. That's all I've played of it so far. I don't know how it is online. And while I do have friends who have that game, I don't, I don't know. Playing this game online with randoms doesn't really seem to be the way to go, I would think. Because it's all right when I cock up a parry, and it doesn't mean that, I'm going to die and someone has to heal me in a in a in a single player co-op in a single player or a co-op setting but like when I'm playing with four people where three people I don't know I'm like would mm. would people get annoyed about this is is this just a 
a faucet of negativity that I don't really want to turn on in 2021. Well, maybe you'd like seeing people be a little bit less uh, demanding than you think. Maybe. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't use voice chat either. And they, they do have an emote system where you can say, like, let's go and great job and do like a wacky dance because ah, okay. everyone loves a wacky yeah. dance. But the visuals of that mode look really cool, as you would expect from seeing anime where, you know, weird oni and demons take over the modern world. Like, everything's kind of got an organic twist to the design in that things kind of look veiny and whatever. And there's weird lighting effects in the sky, so it all looks really cool. I'm going to give it a go, but like I said, it may be a couple of weeks before I can talk about that because I need to find some people to play with. Well, it certainly sounds like value to money that you get all that. You get a big game and you get a multiplayer on top of that. That's a complete package right there. Yeah, and the new game plus. So yeah. let's see. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with this. I've heard other people on other podcasts speculate that maybe this was an attempt to see if there was an, an urge there to have multiplayer. Maybe the next that if there is there is like a horde mode thing in it but maybe Ghost of Tsushima 2 when that eventually happens because I think the game leaves itself open enough to allow for something like that hmm. maybe that'll take a more spiritual vibe but I doubt it, the The game seems so grounded that I'm quite surprised they, they brought in these folklore elements because they do it sometimes in the story where you'll go into the woods and it's like, oh, there's a demon in the woods, and then it turns out yeah. to be bandits. So, I wonder if the sequel does get released, if they call it Ghost of Tsushima 2, or they'll do what a lot of games Ghost do nowadays. Ghost of Tsushima. Give... <laughs> yeah, there's that. Or give it a subtitle as opposed to a numbered sequel, because Assassin's Creed used to do 1, 2, 3, and then didn't it just stop? Didn't it lose its numbered... Well, it's because Assassin's Creed did Assassin's Creed, then they did Assassin's Creed 2, then they did Brotherhood Revelations, Assassin's Creed Ah, 3. Ah, yes. And then after that, they realised, oh, actually, maybe we shouldn't release, like... Assassin's Creed 2, I think, did so good that everyone loved Ezio, that they were like, let's do more games with Ezio, and then they were working on Assassin's Creed 3, so... Floor was Black Flag, though. Black Flag oh, was still called 4 Apologies, yes, Black Flag was 4 But like most things, they have dropped a numbered bit And I miss the simpler days When you know which game Came in which order Do you know Yeah, <laughs> they, I, There's as many as there are of Assassin's Creed games If someone was to say to you, Oh yeah, Assassin's Creed 8, that's pretty cool Yeah But maybe but they I, don't want to seem like they're milking the franchise. If you put numbered sequels in, is it on? They're on the eighth instalment now? God, they must be running out of ideas. No, I I think it's probably because it's more daunting to people, right? Like, I'm sure if you you were uninformed and someone was like, oh, I'm playing Final Fantasy XV, you should really play Final Fantasy XV, people are like, I want to play 15 games. Like, I think people perhaps who are But they have done that with Final Fantasy. I mean, of course, but I mean, I, I think... People who aren't that savvy with how games traditionally work will probably think like, oh, I'm on season two of Deadwood. And you're like, oh, well, I need to watch the first season first. I'm not going to bother. I mean, I felt that way with Fargo, even though each series is like an anthology. It's like a, it's its own self-contained story. There are mm. obviously links to other bits, but it, it it is still its own thing. 
like you can watch a season of Fargo and not have to have seen the previous season because it's uh. his own self-contained story for some respects. I think plenty, plenty of games still do it have numbered sequels, but yeah, in, in movies RPGs. more often than not, that's when they say drop the numbers, don't they? Um, yeah. An, an interesting one was Gears. Gears of War changed into Gears. They dropped the yeah. of War when they got to Gears of War Five. Yeah. Now that's you know brand recognition. So everyone just calls it Gears anyway, don't they? So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so just call or it Gears. I, but it's odd, I, isn't it? Gears of what? Gears? Well, I mean, it's because people know, right? I think that franchise is established enough at this point that, like, I mean, Halo was admittedly called Halo Combat Evolved, but, I mean, they they could have easily called it Halo Combat Evolved 2. Oh, but they didn't. But to me, it's sort of like, if you call something Gears, it's like calling Streets of Rage Streets. <laughs> But I mean, there must be other examples of that where people just, I mean, people just tend to either abbreviate or do other things, right? Like, I mean, Rambo and these other things, like, you just make it into, what are they blinking called? I can't remember the word for when you use the initials. Oh, an, an acronym, no? An acronym. Like, people just make acronyms of stuff. Like, when we played Gears of War, I would never type out Gears of War. I would say G-O-W. Yeah. Gwar. Go. 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 Uh. <laughs> Sorry, go off the tangent. Uh, actually, this actually leads me into a game I've been playing recently because it's an interestingly named installment in, in this particular series. But this uh, last week, for the first time, I played Fallout 76. Ooh la la. So I played this with a couple of friends and had a really good experience. Really, um, really fun. I hear it's all right now. I hear they've... they've well, I, yeah, I wonder what it was like before. Was it just buggy? Because I've heard this about Fallout games of past. Uh, they tend to be a bit buggy to begin with and then they fix them up. I hear it was buggy. I also hear there wasn't really a lot to do. All right, okay. Well, it feels like there's plenty to do because you can, now at least, because, yeah, you follow story missions as like side quests and then there's also the building aspect of it as well. I hear a lot of that stuff really wasn't in place before. Okay. From what I understand, they've kind of made it more like Elder Scrolls Online than... Ah, right. Yeah, because I really thought of it as the uh, Fallout equivalent of Elder Scrolls Online, being a big open world... Lots of other characters running around as well in there, and yeah, we did meet a few people uh, who just sort of hung around, slept in our bed uh, when we weren't looking, played our piano, or uh, just tried to hit it with hit us with a shovel. Although it, there's not like friendly damage on, so they couldn't yeah. attack us or anything. Uh, I th- I think experience. It was closer to Minecraft when it launched, if memory serves. In that, there oh, it's just really... really open without so much to do. Yeah, exactly. And like a lot of the NPC stuff there was there wasn't was just like go kill ten things, and there wasn't really much more. Okay, to it well, than that. the the first big thing we had to do was um, we were at this bar, and uh, they were talking about there was a gang. In order to find out where the gang are, we'd have to attract some hunters to to us in order to. So we build a house, and then we put a big sign up, like a big fake <gasps> sign, saying "Come Let- here." Did Sorry. Ross Kemp show up? No. Why did you say 
Ross Kemp on gangs. Sorry. <laughs> okay, probably... okay. So they came up and say, oh, yeah, you know where this guy is. He's got all the treasure, hasn't he? And he's like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. But eventually <laughs> you, you, you do manage to get back on track and kind of uh, the next step, I think, is to upload some tape to some radio signal thing. And I don't know. I really got into it and I didn't expect to, really. It was sort of like um, my friend Gareth had suggested, oh, uh, let's get Fallout 76. Because previously we've been playing uh, The Forest. Yeah. Because for the, me, Gareth and Adam, it was like, oh, let's have another co-op adventure type game. Yeah. What's closest to The Forest? And actually, Fallout 76 is quite similar to The Forest. It's obviously quite a lot more polished and accomplished than The Forest, being a smaller yeah. scale game. But it has those building aspects to it. It has those zombie-like enemies popping up every now and again but there's also a lot of and crafting and there's so much depth to it that i can see us playing this for a very long time i think there's a lot there to do i was gonna say i would have gone with no man's sky because if i were to get into one game with multiplayer and exploration i would have done no man's sky but yeah i mean i think adam doesn't have no man's sky but uh i don't know i think no man's sky is is it maybe it's more open ended, isn't it? It's no less mission based. Yes, it is, but No Man's Sky is a very different game from when even I last played No Man's Sky yeah. right now. Okay, well, I think, I think we probably could have had a lot of fun with that as well, but I think um, Fallout we got for £7. So we I all think... bought a copy for £7. Wasn't it free on PlayStation Plus? I don't, well, I don't recall it being free. 76 now but dirt cheap anyway so yeah and i think the visuals were good i did encounter one glitch though my hood disappeared i didn't have a hood and gareth was telling me oh go this place on the map uh look at and you you should what what map the little map at the bottom that shows you what direction you should be going in with the objectives on i was like no I, i ain't got that and i had to quit out the game and come back in for the hood to appear for some reason yeah. it hadn't loaded up, uh, which was quite peculiar, I thought. But that was the only uh, issue I had with it. No one else had yeah. that issue. so. Uh, I guess that's just a glitch then. No, it wasn't on PlayStation Plus. No. Any Anything I've searched for is just like, do you need PlayStation Plus? And my guess is yes, yes, you do. Um, I noticed that if you wanted to, you can pay for premium membership that allows you to have your own exclusive world. That, so you yes. can only just, just play with your friends. But really, for the amount of people we met, we met like two or three people yeah. while we were playing it, and they didn't really bother us in any way. You know, We could just get uh, on with it. I think it's because sometimes you can populate a world and there can be people who can be hostile and like they can nuke stuff. So, oh, like, the nukes, yeah, the nukes were things. going off, but we were never yeah. close enough to a nuke for it to bother us while we were playing. Yeah. Perhaps later on in the game, they become more of an issue. I think so. Like once you've built up a base and you have like uh, God Brotherhood of Steel armor and all of this kind of stuff that you get in Fallout, I think it becomes more of an issue. I don't know. I haven't played it, but that's that was what I heard is that people were getting griefed, which is why they did that. They also uh, like part of that is apparently like you get an unlimited inventory, and I was like, why wouldn't they just give you an unlimited inventory anyway? Like that. Well, you That's can hold quite a lot, and it's quite easy to have like a storage box to put the rest of the stuff in. 
but you find yourself junking a lot of stuff all the mm-hmm. time. You pick up a lot of stuff, but that's the funny thing about these games, and you can have a conversation with a like an NPC, and then this one of you in your group is going around their house just yeah, <laughs> to yeah, stealing all stuff. their stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always find that funny about these sort of games, but I like it a lot, and I think you know if. You like that kind of thing. The seven pounds that I got it for is not a lot of money to spend on a game, which is actually quite impressive. I like the world as well. Um, Gareth was telling me that Fallout Four was a little bit more barren, whereas Seventy Six, yeah. you know, is quite nice. You get a lot of trees and such, and nice yeah. uh, environment. I thought it's because it's a prequel, though. I don't think that exists in even the earlier Fallout games either. Before Fallout mm-hmm. Four, I like a lot of like the ideas and stuff behind Fallout are cool. I just I don't like the gameplay, and I, I'm mm. it's like we talked about this before. Like the reason I got Cyberpunk is because someone said to me Cyberpunk controls more like an action first person shooter than a Bethesda game, and I was like, okay, cool. I like the yeah. idea of a Bethesda mm. game. I just don't like how it feels like a PC game with a controller. Mm, I don't know. I thought it felt quite console uh, shooter-ish when I played it. Uh, you can turn on the VATS system, which, you know, auto-aims and I think... Yeah, shoots people makes... in the head and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can choose which bit to shoot. Sometimes that's helpful, but otherwise you can just play it like uh, shoot at the hip, as they say, is it? <laughs> yeah. It's not so much about like the idea of like you shooting using the VAT system. It's just how previous Fallout games I've played Control and especially like Elder Scrolls games mm. as well. There's like a floatiness to okay. the looking and stuff to me that feels like it should be with a mouse. Like it should oh, be I to see. a high I, sensitivity. You I know what I mean? I say, playing 76 though, that it, I thought actually the aiming and shooting was really good. I So I don't. maybe I could, they've changed it. Probably. I mean like console games now are where the numbers are at i think mm. so maybe they have made controller support more of a priority but yeah it always felt weird to me and like even skyrim that's the thing that stopped me enjoying skyrim as i didn't it felt like a pc game on a console okay um yeah but i'd like to recommend uh fallout 76 and for someone who's never played fallout before the whole sort of uh, the contamination is interesting isn't it how you, how you uh get uh oh gosh what's it called that it's rads or something and you can get infected by radiation and you have to be aware when you drink water or eat food that it's contaminated and can eventually do you damage and uh, i thought that was quite an interesting concept i think fallout as you said before you know the concept of it and the world and the ideas within that are really uh, appealing yeah, I'd always wanted to play Stalker. Yeah, that would PC be my, my feeling of Fallout. Very same reason. I thought all of the like that idea of environmental storytelling with you know bits and bobs and I... all of the radiation and stuff is weird. Yeah, because of that, I've always wanted to play Stalker. Um, but I don't know. I maybe I'll pick it up. Like. I, I, I don't know, man. There's too many games. And like this year, I want to focus on the Japanese stuff anyway. So you keep okay. playing Fallout. Let me know if it's worth picking up. But Yeah, I think I'll be playing game. it weekly. I think I'll be, this will be our weekly game that we play. Okay. Um, I picked up one other game. Was it one other game? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Zone of the Enders, second runner Mars for the PS4. Yeah. Uh, Because I was interested in the VR mode on it, and it was only five pounds, so I thought, oh, 
Well, get that and try it. I've yet to try it yet. Um, and there's any VR mode. I'm always very curious, but slightly reluctant about it because I'm not sure how the uh, motion's going to affect me. Yeah. But either way, it's it's a version of Zone of the End, the second runner for the PS4 that I'll no doubt get some use out of. I love not that game for the... so much. Yeah. I I I keep after picking up that really nice Jehuti that I bought in like a toy sale here a couple of years ago. I keep eyeing up the Anubis. But it's like mm. it's like two hundred quid, and I'm like, oh, if I if I ever I see it in like Akihabara when I'm in Japan, when we can eventually travel again, maybe I'll buy it. But I'm not paying two hundred quid for it. I wasn't actually aware this existed until the other day when I saw it online, browsing through the sales, and I was like, yeah, wow, they released Second Runner on the PS4. Yeah, with VR, not the first one though. Yeah, yeah, you'd think they do like the HD collection have both of them, but no, no. But like those HD collections, have got weird buggy stuff for them. Apparently, the the version of Silent Hill I have for the 360, Konami is giving this. away free games at some point because three doesn't work at all. Wow. Yeah. I've got so it on the PS3. I've had it for years, but I don't think I've ever played it. The PS3 copy of it's okay. It's specifically the the 360 one that's the issue. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, but I hear also there's only the Enders collection for the 360 isn't that great either, which I do own and I've never played. I have it on PS3. Yeah, maybe PS3 is okay. Hopefully. Yeah, from what I understand, it is. I got it. I bought it when I bought Shadows of the Damned. Actually, it was like it was nine. It was God. I can't remember how much it was. It was like forty nine kroner or ninety nine kroner or something Mm. brand new. And I was like having that then. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Also, a thing of hmm, maybe I shouldn't just buy games when they're on the cheap because here we are, like seven years later, talking about collections I bought for the 360 of games that I've previously owned on the PlayStation 2 that I haven't played. So yeah, well, I might have just done it with Zone of Enders, but that VR hopefully is going to give me the extra push to to try it out. But then again, I still haven't tried out the VR in Star Wars Squadrons. So yeah. No, but I have been push. enjoying Fallen Order and playing more of that. I did have a slight issue with the map system on that game. I had an objective and I had no clue how I was meant to get to it. But when I looked at the map again, uh, next time I played it, I was like, oh yeah, I can see where I need to go. But I, I did find that map slightly confusing to begin with. It's not that... the best map. No. <laughs> it wasn't obvious to me where to go, but now, now I'm back on track and still enjoying that game, although it did freeze up on me once again. It came back, but it, it froze again. I think there's some issues there, like we talked about last week. Yeah, uh, it's not un- it's not unreasonable. Like when I was listening to the podcast through and I was editing, I was like, oh yeah, actually I remember one or two moments where I'd have lightsaber swings and it would freeze like in combat and stuff as well. Like Yeah, it's like it's loading yeah. something up and it just stops to load it and then it comes back to life yeah yeah, yeah. but it, it has to it loads like mid-action i was yeah. like jumping through the air or something and it stopped to load it's like what yes <laughs> guess it's just too much stuff for oh yeah and i got stuck memory. inside the ship uh because i'd gone back onto the ship to uh level up to use some yeah. of my points and then my intention was to go back out of the ship and carry on with the mission Yet there yeah. seemed to be no way to get off the ship. 
there, there was no exit. The guy who pilots the ship was standing in front of the door, just chatting. You know, they chat to you about yeah, random yeah, yeah. things. Uh, so I ended up just going to a totally different planet. I was going to say, did you have to fly off and come back? Yes. Yeah, well, I just got then sidetracked with doing the other planet. And I was like, well, yeah. I guess I'll come back later, but that's kind of odd. <laughs> Maybe you'd finished the mission and the game had assumed you wanted to leave and not just I like, think so. Around. Yeah, I, I just want to... Maybe that's how the game works. If you want to meditate inside the ship, it saves it. So you can't go yeah. back out of the ship. I, I don't think know. that might be it. But there you go. I Despite those small issues, that's a really great game. And I will continue to keep coming back to it until I finish it. Yeah, good. Yeah. Have faith in you, Tom Parry. By next week, I want you to have at least beaten one of those two games. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll beat Short Hike. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I I will also play Short Hike, and then we can talk about it a bit more next week, I think. But other than those, uh, I haven't played anything. I did pick up uh, Double Yakumon for the Game Boy because it was boxed and it was like four pound. I was like, yes, please. What Uh, is Double Yakumon? Hamajong game, Tom Parry, um, for the Game Boy, and I I pretty much have. I pretty much have all of them boxed now because why not? So. Wow. I want to I see a I... special uh, episode of <laughs> Biographic about Mojang games. You'll have to wait a little bit, Tom, because most of them are in the UK. Oh, so... okay. You know, be not... you know, I've noticed this, and it's very uh, dominant on YouTube channels, but top fives. Yeah. <laughs> I bet if you did a top five, you get all the subscribers, Matthew. I don't want to, though. No, I, I, don't... I don't want to either. I think it's too much work in capturing footage. But uh... I, I, no, I think it's too bloody easy. All you need to do is like play a bit of a game and just go. Like, I like this because uh, I I like jumping, and then that's it. Like, that's that's all the top <laughs> yeah, five usually is. I mean, sometimes you get the impression that they haven't necessarily played all the game either. No, no, that that is what it is. Like I, that's the way some people play it. Like like I mean, you do that a lot. To be fair, as well. Well, like, I podcast. do it in a sort of upfront way where i say yeah. i've got this i've played it a bit i can't say that i've completed it but it looks like it could be good rather than doing like a top five or whatever and actually saying this is the best one of the bunch you know yeah. without having played through all the game i think is a little yeah. wrong yeah. yeah so it's just like doing a top five you doing a top five jrpgs on the super nintendo video it's been like Chrono Trigger number one. I don't know. I like Dragon Ball. <laughs> oh right, okay. I, I could do this. Yeah. I thought about this the other week. Top five video game consoles. Whoa, that's a big one, isn't it? I mean, but the, hey, it'll spark a lot of debate, which will mean people yeah. will comment and people will like okay. and dislike, and that'll get I'm you. Go, I'm going to do it then. I'm going to do it now. Uh, Dreamcast. Okay. Number one or five? Uh, number five. Okay. Uh, PS4. Okay. Uh, let's think. Wii? Right. Uh, 360? Yeah. Uh, N64. There you go. Number You're one. A strange human being. There's that would be my there. top five consoles of all time. There's no Mega Drive in there. No, There's no because you know, I didn't play there. a lot of Mega Drive. There's no Master System in there, then? I don't think it's 
better no CDI. than any of those consoles. Sorry? No CDI? Of course not. <laughs> no CDI. <laughs> I'm going to say when you've got competition like uh, the ones I listed there. No uh, Sega Saturn? No, no, not better than the Dreamcast, no. I mean, there's lots of good fighting games on the Saturn, but I wouldn't. This podcast is running on, but I'm going to do mine. Right. Oh, God, this is so painful. Um... (laughs) Don't think about it too much. Do it like I did it, even though I had thought about that previously last week. Okay. Five Switch, four um, Super Nintendo, three PS4, two Xbox 360, one, I have to say Game Boy for brand reasons. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's probably Game Boy Advance, if I'm honest, because I could, there are so many games on the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance that I love, and... To you be honest with you, all. my childhood is kind of indistinguishable. Like, I know that they are two separate systems and it's kind of a cop-out, but... No, it's all right, yeah. I think, because when I say Wii, I can play GameCube games on the Wii, depending on what model you've got. Yeah, and I was, that was one of my things. I was like, should I put GameCube? And I was like, well, no, my, my GameCube memories are time splitters, which was on other... Con- Neither of us put the PS1 or the PS2. I didn't put PS2, no, um... It's never been a favourite console of mine, although there's a lot of games on it. I love the PS2. I love the PS1. This is this is this is awful. Actually, tell a lie. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna take Switch off my number five and put PS2. Put, put PS2. Oh, actually, yeah. I might even bump that up to number four and put the Snares as the fifth. Righto. Um, well, I will say about GameCube though, it's my number one um, console for multiplayer gaming. Every time I want to play multiplayer, I whip out the GameCube. I mean, I did too, and then I bought uh, Overcooked, and now I have it on PS4, so I don't know. Uh, Mario Kart, um, and WarioWare, and Pac-Man Versus. Ribbit King. Sorry? Ribbit King, Tom. Ribbit King? Not that we did play that. I didn't have that at the time. Uh, I know. But on PS2. Uh, I do have the Japanese Ribbit King, though. I know. wonder where you got that. <laughs> I really wish I'd bought a bloody copy of Ribbit King for myself when I was there. I imagine Aww. that game's insanely expensive now. Uh, but yeah, the GameCube, I, do, I just thought was really good for multiplayer. Yeah. And the Wii is really good for multiplayer. And I think the reason I have Wii in my list is because I think the Wii is better than the PS2. <gasps> oh, it's got a lot of games. statement. And it's got that nice motor control that really does add to a lot of things. Name me any of them that were made better. Uh, Name me any of them that weren't made better by giving them standard analog controls. Resident Evil 4? Shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, I meant the ones exclusive to the Wii. Ah, damn it. No, you're probably right. Although I'm not a big fan of Galaxy, still. I tried playing it again on the Switch Mario Collection, and Galaxy... It's not one of my favourites. I don't like the the whole planet thing running round. It makes me feel a bit queasy. I cannot tell you a Wii game that I actually like. Oh, come off it. Honestly, I, I cannot. I, I'm searching my brain. I cannot give you a Wii game off the top of my head that I'm like, this is one of, this is a good game. Oh, have a think about it for next week. I think I the, don't like Twilight Princess. I don't uh, like Skyward Sword, I don't particularly... I thought Galaxy was okay. 
Um, I think Galaxy what else is there? Better. Red Steel was shit. Um, Wii Sports is all right. Um, I, I can't. I played think... the Wii a lot. I didn't have a 360 for a long time, and that, the Wii was my only console. There's lots of good things to like. I don't even think Last Story and Xenoblade are very good. Like, I can't think of a Wii game that I really like. The WarioWare Wario game on there is shit. Um, I don't think it's... Shake Dimensions is all right. I I think um, the WarioWare on the... um... WarioWare is pretty good. Actually, I think no, I take it back, Tom. So I take I take it back. Other than WarioWare, Wario is fine. That was a miss. That, I'm talking about Wario World or Wario Land <laughs> or whatever that Shake Dimension game is. Okay. Rhythm Heaven is a great Wii game. Oh, there we go. He's got one. He's got one. One. And likes. I'm not good at rhythm games. Rhythm Heaven is an absolutely fantastic game. Need for Speed Undercover is pretty good on the Wii. It's different than the <sighs> other ones. Uh, drop to your drop. Yeah. New I'm Super have Mario to... Brothers. That was pretty good. I mean, New Super Mario Brothers was okay. Like, it's not. Again, I just don't think there's that many good. Like, I think if you look at like time, yes, Wii Sports was massively influential. I don't think we would be where we are now in the current era of gaming. Without Wii Sports, because I think I don't think consoles would have had the longevity if not for Wii Sports, because that game was yeah. huge. I think We've... games would exist. I think more people <laughs> would play them because of mobile forms. But yeah. I do think the the explosion of console gaming and the more in, more people being open to console gaming was because of Wii Sports. I like using the Wii. I like the whole experience of it. I like the whole uh, environment. I like the Mii's. I like I like the the multiplayer uh, games like we party as well nah. um and i think it's it's unique enough to sit in my top 5 as being a, a really important and enjoyable console in my life that is different from a lot of the other ones around i mean to be fair right like this is the age old argument for new listeners i don't like motion controls and so like mm. for me that was always a barrier to enjoying the wii other than wii sports you can play mad um, dog mccree on the wii yeah oh no i'm well aware i got a factory sealed copy of the mad dog mccree <laughs> trilogy and like i honestly like i can't i'm sure there are games that i have for the wii that are probably like seven out of ten games that i'm sure i would enjoy the stuff like little king story i have fragile dreams which is kind of interesting i never played a shadow's tale which i was the game i dreamt of when i was like four years old mm. and i was like i'm gonna make a video game where you play as a shadow i i'm sure there is good stuff on the wii that i have not experienced but any time i've ever tried to enjoy anything the friggin motion controls have got in the way and i've just been like oh, i don't i want a version of this game without well, motion controls I'll bring some to the table next next time. Uh, so okay, some of my we'll... top top wee picks, and we'll continue this discussion then. We'll do that. Actually, I was actually thinking about this before the podcast. Sorry to draw this out a bit longer. We top should five. do <laughs> no, no, not top fives. I think we should almost do like a console book club, in which oh. we will go and look at a console library because both of us have 
extensive console libraries, and both of us, where possible, I think this will be easier with some of the retro consoles where, you know, <laughs> we don't have to buy anything, um, can recommend games that we think the other person might like that maybe they haven't tried, oh, that'd be fun, or that man. we should suggest games to the other person that we like and they perhaps have not looked at before. We should do that next week with the Wii. Let's talk about this off off the podcast. Can you find much, much for the Wii that you, you've played that I haven't played? Probably. Okay. I, I will go upstairs and have a look at what I have there. I do think I have some unique Wii games I don't think you would have played, but yeah, let's do that. Cool. There's also the WiiWare as well. There's that oh, side of things. God. I mean, to be fair, like the virtual console is the best bit of the Wii for me. Like, but that, to be fair, like I, I got to experience a lot of that stuff before that came out with the emulation anyway. So I love that idea. Though. Good emulation, I think. Yeah, no, hands down. Yeah. Great emulation. And also like the release of obscure titles that cost a lot of money, like uh, Render Rangers and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, they had some cool stuff on there. I, I, okay, I once played Sonic 2 using the uh, SNES Minis uh, controller. That that was that was far out. Wow, man. <laughs> Crazy. Okay, uh, I'm right. going to wrap this podcast up, Tom, because it's, it's an hour and 20 minutes. No, it's been good. Was... It's been good. Yeah. Nice track. Okay, um, if you have enjoyed uh, listening to us with this, in fact, if you have any games that you think we should mention about the Wii before we record this next Sunday, so when this goes up on Sunday, it'll be there, you can let us know on uh, a variety of places, such as at TMACast on Twitter, at Facebook, at facebook.com forward slash TomAmattAttack, in the comments of blastprocess.com or in the comments of TomAmattAttack.com forward slash podcast. We will have a look and see if anyone suggests any Wii games. Give us a bit of a reason why as well, like why you like that particular game. Um, Tom and I will obviously think back and forth and talk about this a little bit as well, but eh, a little bit of audience participation, why not? If you want to listen to the podcast, you can do so in a lot of those same places, uh, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and now, as I mentioned three times, Spotify. And they are still not sponsoring this podcast. God damn it. Um, you can listen to it there. Uh, why not give us a cheeky rate and subscribe in all those services? Hey, in fact, if you've, you know, you've previously given us a cheeky rate and subscribe in iTunes, can we be even cheekier and ask you to do the same in Spotify? I don't even know if Spotify's got ratings, but if they, they? are, give I us don't a even five know star. Either. I don't bloody know. I just listen to Spotify podcasts because sometimes they aren't available in Apple. Um, other than that, find me at Game Boyle on the old Twitter, Tom at TomParry11. Um, Tom, are you going to be putting up any any top fives or hot takes on the uh, Blast Process I'm, I'm, I'm afraid not. My latest video is me playing a bit of Jedi Fallen Order when I was incredibly lost, and I cringe at it now because I'm looking at that map and I know exactly where I need to go, but at the time I was like, Oh, where am I going to go? And just went around in circles for an hour. So if you want to watch that, you can. <laughs> Over on our YouTube channel. <laughs> Sounds like highly engaging content. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, Confused Tom Parry is my favourite Tom Parry. Uh, I will, hopefully by the end of the week, have something up uh, for January. If not, I will finally be taking a look on with a boy curious video on um, Super Jetpack DX, uh, which is the game from Sobe Software, which is uh, an update of a ZX Spectrum classic that I finally got in the mail the other day. Oh, I've also got I love Dragon a bit Ball. Of jetpack. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it's a Game Boy Color remake, Tom. You can actually pre-order a, a copy of it oh. if you want right now. And mine, uh, as with all of the first run, I think it's also the second run, has a little bit of like pre-programmed like thank you message directly to me at the start of it wow. because that's they went the extra mile with it. I'm not sure if that's going to happen in the second one from the sounds of things. That was a bit of hard work to do. Anyway, Tom, uh, it is always a pleasure to talk with you. We'll be back next week where undoubtedly I will talk about something Game Boy related or Japanese and uh, we'll talk about some Wii games as well. Absolutely. Long long live the Wii. Ah, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Game on. Game on, everybody. Take care. Bye.